the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Tired of the negative news and flashover substance? It's time for Today with Dr. Wendy. Dr. Wendy Patrick is a trial attorney, patriot, and Ph.D. with a passion for people and a penchant for politics. Dr. Wendy brings you the headlines, streamlined, news you can use. It's time to be informed, engaged, and entertained. Now, here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Today with Dr. Wendy. I'm Wendy Patrick, but you're going to be hearing more from my co-host Larry Dershon tonight because I had a little bit too much fun at the World Cup over the last two weeks, virtually, mind you, but it was just every bit as exciting. So, Larry, I understand we have a very important guest. Would you like to introduce who we have and then take it away? Sure, Wendy. As a journalist with 49 years plus experience, Dr. Stephen J. Allen currently serves as the vice chairman of the Conservative Caucus and distinguished senior fellow at the Capitol Research Center in Washington, D.C. Dr. Allen served as press secretary to U.S. Senator Jeremiah Denton and as senior researcher for Newt Gingrich's presidential campaign. Dr. Allen is a prolific writer, and he's written for the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal, just to name a few of the publications his articles have appeared in. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Allen. Great to be with you. Uh, Dr. Allen, I noted in your bio that among your many other accomplishments that you have a Ph.D. in biodefense from the College of Science at George Mason University. Many of our listeners have not even heard about that type of program. Could you tell us a little bit about what biodefense is and how you got interested in it? Right. Well, I got interested because I I grew up in a town in Alabama where, believe it or not, the uh, the Army had the headquarters for its chemical, biological, radiological warfare program. Anniston, Alabama, Fort McClellan. Many people who've been in the uh, in the military will know of Fort McClellan. Uh, and uh, so I was interested from an early age. And then after 9-11, I was trying to figure out a way to serve my country. And um, they opened this program. They brought in uh, the top scientist in the world who had actually run the Soviet biological weapons program before he defected to our side. And uh, he was going to be, ended up being my mentor. Uh, and so I got a, a PhD. I already had a law degree, but I had a PhD in uh, biodefense. And uh, our job uh, in that field is to keep the country safe from things like uh, pandemics and biological weapons. And uh, so uh, I was. I wrote my dissertation on how the Soviets tricked the world and hid their massive biological weapons program. It was the largest secret uh, scientific program in the history of the world. And they hid it from our intelligence operatives and who basically talked themselves out of believing in it and thought it was a conspiracy theory, but it was all real. And uh, uh, and then when what happened with the pandemic 
the Wuhan coronavirus, uh, I immediately recognized that as uh, something that uh, came from from a laboratory. And I think everybody in my field uh, did, uh, which, of course, is why Facebook and uh, and Twitter uh, banned people from saying that for uh, more than a year uh, because it was so incredibly true and obvious. Uh, so that's uh, that's uh, my 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 field is what I've often said that biological weapons are more dangerous than nuclear weapons because um, you can use a biological weapon and not only claim that it wasn't you, maybe it was somebody else, uh, but that you can even claim that it was a naturally occurring event. And uh, and that's what they did with the, uh, the Wuhan coronavirus. We live in such interesting times. I mean, we could do a whole year of shows on that. In fact, this saga is still continuing and it's affected the whole world. And I just hope there's some justice at some point that's going to be done resulting from uh, what we find out about the cover up and so forth. Now, to change the subject a little bit, in a recent article you wrote for the Daily Caller, you made the case of how Ronald Reagan's vision of a populist GOP is coming true. Now, what did you mean by that? Well, I was I was actually a young uh, aide in the Reagan campaign back in 1975 and 76. And in uh, 1977, right after Reagan lost the uh, 76 uh, campaign to Gerald Ford, uh, in 1977, uh, speaking at the Conservative Political Action Conference, um, uh, then uh, former Governor Reagan said that the Republican Party needed to be a party uh, that wasn't a party just of the big business image that the uh, Republicans had, the country club image, that it needed to be a party of the working man and woman, of the cop on the beat, of the farmer uh, and uh, regular people, and not just claim to speak for them, but include uh, all sorts of people uh, in the leadership of the party uh, and reflect those values. And that's uh, so that's something that a lot of us have been working on for many years. Uh, I wrote a a piece with Richard Vigory uh, in uh, 1983 for The Washington Post. It was the lead article in the Sunday Outlook section of The Washington Post. uh, And the title of it was America's Ruling Class Has Got to Go. And it was about how, unfortunately, uh, many of our elite leaders uh, from the best schools, the best and the brightest, had failed us. And uh, that has continued uh, to this point. And we see that in, you know, we mentioned the uh, uh, pandemic and the origin of the pandemic, but uh, economic policy, military policy, uh, that it's time for um, people to for there to be broader representation of people from all parts of society uh, and for working class, small business class values to be reflected in our government. Right. I think we've already kind of uh, defined this, but for our listeners, I know, you know, we have the Republican Party, also known as the GOP, the Grand Old Party, and the Democrats and Libertarians, and then there's other parties as well. But for being a populist, what do you, how would you define that? It's not really a party, is it? It's kind of more of a concept, or what would you say? Well, there was a populist party back in the in the late 1800s, and, and uh, but, but we're the way that I trace uh, populist ideas is to go back to the draft of the Declaration of Independence. Uh, And in that, uh, Thomas Jefferson's draft, uh, he talks about, obviously everybody remembers, 
all men are created equal and the term men meant people, uh, that all people are created equal. That is that by law, by right, they should, uh, you should not have an aristocracy. You should not have slavery. You should not have anything that differentiates people based on the circumstances into which they're born. And uh, if you look at the draft, uh, uh, you will see, and this is sort of a response to a lot of the, the people who are writing woke history and they're trying to denigrate the declaration. Look at Thomas Jefferson's draft. And uh, he talks very specifically about how slavery uh, is a big violation of the laws of nature and of nature's God and uh, the commerce in men. He refers to the enslaved people as as men, as human beings, uh, the same as he, uh, he does earlier in the document where he talks about all men are created equal. And then if you go back and look at Frederick Douglass and Abraham Lincoln, they referred to Jefferson. They said that Jefferson was the uh, origin of their ideas. And those ideas, those populist ideas uh, were carried forward, uh, uh, reflected to some degree in the populists of the late 1800s. Uh, and then in what Ronald Reagan did, you can draw a direct line um, to what Reagan tried to do in making the Republican Party more of a populist party, party for regular people representing the ideas. Jefferson actually said that we would always divide naturally, that anywhere that people were free to debate, they would always divide naturally into one party that represented uh, the uh, aristocracy, the elite, and one party that represented the people. And uh, people like me have been saying for years that uh, we want to have a party out there that represents uh, the people. So I agree. Now, as the Democratic Party seems to be running full throttle towards socialism, if not communism, do you think that this is a great chance for the GOP to capture the working class voter block? Oh, I think that, you know, the... And whether you define it by party or ideology, uh, the fact is that uh, the people on the other side have given up a lot of what used to be good about being, you know, a liberal. I mean, if you were a liberal, you were for free speech. Uh, you were for a colorblind society and no discrimination. Uh, you were uh, skeptical about getting into wars in foreign countries. Um, there are a lot of things that used to be part of being a good liberal that um, the so-called progressives uh, have uh, abandoned. Uh, and uh, no, now they're, they have a, they, they used to be the big critics. If you know the FBI spied on somebody uh, or the CIA did something they shouldn't do, and you know interfering in elections, um, now they love it. They love it. It's the way they defend it, and so that gives a tremendous opportunity to build a new coalition uh, that represents not just working class people. I mean, uh, to show you how they've abandoned working class people, uh, of course. We all remember Barack Obama in 2008 talking about the bitter clingers, the people who cling bitterly to their guns and their religion because they just can't adapt to a changing society. Um, and then by 2012, Thomas Edsel, the liberal uh, writer in the Washington in the New York Times, said that for the first time uh, of any uh, campaign by the Democratic Party, that the party was abandoning working class America. And, uh, and that was confirmed over and over again by what we've seen since then. So we have a, a, essentially a, a party, a movement on the left that represents mainly the elites. And then they count for votes on people who are dependent on government program. I mean, that on government programs, that's their strategy anyway. Of course, it's backfiring in that 
you know, they, they thought that Latinos would always be part of their coalition right. and so forth. And you're seeing that change. A lot of African-Americans, a lot of people are uh, not doing what they're supposed to do, which, of course, drives people on that side crazy. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, now, is J.D. Vance, he recently won in Ohio, is he an example of this populist shift? And dare I even say is Donald Trump. I mean, he gets these huge rallies, people love him, but the establishment, especially the Democrats, but even many of the, what they call rhino Republicans don't seem to like him very much. He's upsetting the system. So are those two good examples of uh, this populist movement? You can go back to the, the Tea Party movement. I was editor of the Tea Party's magazine, Tea Party Review. Uh, you can uh, and follow, again, a line straight through to uh, what happened with uh, with the Trump campaign. Uh, clearly, that was a populist campaign. And, and that's the aspect that really drives the critics insane. Uh, that that it's a, it was a populist campaign. J.D. Vance has followed through on that. Right. Hey, Dr. Allen, unfortunately, we're almost out of time. We're up against a hard break. But how can people get a hold of you or find out more about you and your writings and your work? Do you have a website or where would you direct us? Yeah, uh, you can go to uh, my Substack stack is uh, Dr. Stephen J. Allen, D-R-S-T-E-V-E-N-J-A-L-L-E-N. Uh, Dr. Stephen J. Allen. Substack.com. Uh, you can also contact me through my organization, the Conservative Caucus, and you can Google that. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us. Great. Thank you so much. We will be right back with more of today's Dr. Reddy. News cycle lowlights have no place here. You're listening to the headline highlights on Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. It's time for more news you can use. The headlines streamline. It's time for more Today with Dr. Wendy. Now here's your host, Dr. Wendy Patrick. Welcome back. Today with Dr. Wendy. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about one of the biggest headlines of the week, and that's Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner, a basketball star used as a political football. That's the headline. Those are the allegations. But is that fair? I'm going to leave it to my co-host in a minute to break this down, but let me leave you with some of the questions that have been swirling around. Brittany Griner, we are absolutely thrilled She is home. Her family is thrilled. She never should have been detained. She was displayed like an animal in a cage, literally, over the last 10 months that she was in captivity, which I think is a very apt term for it. But it's also bittersweet, not only for Americans, but even for Brittany and her family, as they can't help but talk about the fact that Paul Whelan didn't come with her and the other Americans that are held and detained in Russia. And now we're hearing more and more pushback on why the deal wasn't different. Was it fair? Could it have been done differently? What kind of a bargain was this? And it's probably a good thing that Larry's going to carry most of this because I know he has some very strong feelings about this story and and many others. So I'm going to give it to my co-host. Take it away, Larry. Thank you, Wendy. Uh, First of all, I am thrilled that Brittany Griner is coming back and uh, is back now. And uh, that must have been a traumatic, traumatic experience. Uh, But I just want to do a quick comparison. I got this as a tweet from uh, Benny Johnson. He's a media person. 
and he said, meet Brittany Griner and Marine Paul Whelan, both Americans. Both were convicted in Russian courts on dubious charges, both serving multi-year sentences in Russian prison. Brittany hates America. Paul served America. Guess which one Biden traded a terrorist to free? And again, I don't really feel that strong. I'm, I, like I really mean it. I'm so glad that uh, Brittany is back on our soil. But we can never forget the Marine Paul Whelan who's still left languishing in a Russian prison uh, based on trumped up charges. And who did they trade? Um, <clears throat> who did they trade Brittany for? Well, let me introduce you to uh, this gentleman, a Russian-born. His name is Victor Bout. B O U T. They call him, he's got a nickname, kind of a scary nickname. It's called the Merchant of Death. Well, Braun, um, they did a 60-minute interview by a, a Mark Braun, former chief of operations for U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration. And he told 60 Minutes, and this is way back in 2010, folks, so it's, a, it's about 12 years ago, that Victor Bout is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. Bout first exploded on the scene in Western Africa in the late 1980s, elevating weapons used in bloody conflicts from machetes and single-shot rifles to AK-47s, not by the thousands, but by the tens of thousands. He's a mystery man who reportedly served in the Soviet Air Force and Intelligence Service. He is indicted in America on four terror-related charges, including conspiracy to kill Americans. Now, Bout was not only arming insurgents and terrorists around the world, but he was arming drug-trafficking cartels south of our border and around the world. So this is the gentleman that we, I don't know if I should call him a gentleman, that we traded to get Brittany back. And it almost seems like are we good? Are we good at bargaining? I mean, couldn't we have gotten both prisoners out for somebody that bad? I'm talking about Victor Bout. And listen, it even goes on further that he had access to all the Soviet weapons, that he had a fleet. Victor Bout, the terrorist that was arming all the other terrorists, he had a fleet of 60 cargo airplanes and he flew those airplanes all over the world where terrorists needed weapons and he could drop them off at a very precise way that they would get those AK-47s and uh, rocket launchers and so forth. That's the gentleman that we've sent back to Russia. Now, can we really rely that he will not be back on the streets, so to speak, again and doing the same evil work? I hope he doesn't. I hope he's been, he learned something while in prison, Uh, but that uh, that still is uh, up in the air, uh, What, how that's going to turn out. Now, just a, I wanted to do an update on Brittany, how, how this whole thing happened with uh, Brittany, an incredible basketball player. She was on the uh, women's uh, WNBA, and she was over there during a break to play basketball with the Russians. And upon arriving in Moscow to join a Russian team during the WNBA offseason, Griner was arrested for possession of a small amount of cannabis oil, which she later told the court she had packed accidentally. But... She was arrested immediately at the airport, 
And we worried on our side, uh, the Americans did, that she could face intense discrimination in prison for being black and American and being openly gay. So we were really concerned that they were going to really possibly harm her or use her as an example. But uh, through Secretary of uh, State Blinken, they started negotiations to get her back. And it was really complicated, uh, folks, by the uh, Ukrainian war because, you know, we're supplying armaments to the Ukrainians and uh, we're trying to work with the Soviets at the same time to free these prisoners. I can't even imagine how difficult that was. And uh, I'm just going to tell you a little side story here about uh, I had one of the producers here at the station say, you know, how is it that we never seem to make a good deal? We trade a basketball player for a terrorist that is probably responsible for thousands and thousands of deaths. And uh, I told him a story um, when I was uh, in the Navy Reserve, I was taken. uh, My duty station was over in South Korea and I was taken there um, a month after they captured the USS Pueblo crew, and I worked in the Armistice uh, Affairs Division, and they were the ones that would literally go up to the middle of the DMZ, Panmunjom, and negotiate with the North Koreans. And so I would always know when the people would leave the office and go up to negotiate, and I was able, to, privileged to go up there several times myself. But when the Pueblo crew was captured, uh, Captain Booker and uh, the rest of the crew, uh, I didn't even know when they, they were gone uh, from the office. It was so secret that even though I worked in the office, I didn't know where you know the, the commanders and the admirals were, and the State Department was working with that too. Well, to, there is a point to this. So when I, uh, how, how did we get up, how did we uh, release the USS Pueblo crew? Well, the way we did it back then, they had secret negotiations. They didn't have these open negotiations. And uh, what they did is... They signed a document, the United States signed a document saying that we did, in fact, invade your territorial waters, that this was a um, um, a type of ship that could listen in. And for that, at the same exact time, the Americans read into the record, which was transcribed, that we are just signing this to get our crew back. We disavow everything we just signed. And that's how negotiations work. And I just thought that was kind of interesting. The different ways behind the scenes that people have to work to free prisoners that are held by a captive uh, country. Now, I'm going to quickly shift. And again, thank you so much, State Department and President Biden, for getting uh, Brittany Griner back. I'm going to trans, uh, trans uh, for, to another topic really briefly. Now, we're worried about what our kids learn in school. Now, Howard Zinn, I'm not sure if you heard of him, but he wrote a book that has poisoned a generation. And that book, it's called A People's History of the United States. Uh, that so-called history book is really more of an argument against America. And basically it says that all those people in power, which he calls the capitalists, are bad, and all those people that are out of power are are good and must throw over the governments that, that are in, in power. And so this history book that was written by Howard Zinn is adopted in most of our uh, schools today. And if we always, if we start to wonder, you know, why are the kids so anti-American? Why are they so, you know, against our founding fathers? Well, the answer is in education, and that's one huge example. It's not the only thing that's going on to change their minds, but we need to be uh, very 
wary of that. And for example, he called Christopher Columbus was a uh, just an invader imperialist that that killed the Indians, and that's the exact opposite. And he took the logs of Christopher Columbus and he twisted the words to make it say that he was that. But really, Christopher Columbus loved the uh, natives when he landed here in in the West. So just be aware of what you are studying in school if you're in college or if you're in high school and if the younger if you're if you have elementary school kids uh make sure you understand what they're they're uh, teaching your kids and make sure it's not indoctrination uh so there, there's been so much going on uh in in the other news too i mean in the news it's just it's just unbelievable um so i just i just hope that uh we can uh first of all in the school setting that we are aware of what our kids are being learning, including the critical race theory, which is basically teaching our kids to discriminate against people of different skin color. Be aware of what's in the school libraries, uh, the uh, sexualization of our kids. We must protect our kids because they're totally innocent. They don't know any better. So it's almost like I think we have to have like a neighborhood watch that would um, go in and monitor the schools. But just a couple things I wanted to throw out there, folks, for you to think about this weekend. And uh, we, Wendy and I are just so privileged to come before you every week and bring you uh, the interesting stories that we find. It's kind of hard to narrow them down. There's so many. Uh, but uh, hopefully this has been educational for you. And I just hope and pray that you have a wonderful and safe uh, weekend and we hope that we can see you back next week and just remember that this broadcast will be uh, becomes a podcast that's available um it'll be uh, loaded up and you can listen to it over and over again if there's something you miss so god bless you you have a great weekend and thank you so much Thank you for joining us for Today with Dr. Wendy. You can learn more about Dr. Wendy and how to become a guest or sponsor of the show by visiting wendypatrickphd.com. That's wendypatrickphd.com. Tune in every week at this same time as Dr. Wendy will engage and inspire you with an upbeat viewpoint on the highlights of the day. This has been Today with Dr. Wendy on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.